Welcome to the show, Paul George. Right here, right now, Adam Conk. How's it going, man? Great. How are you? Good, man. We're talking all things art of living. Got a great guest on the show today and sitting right next to you on a bright and early Friday morning. Yes. And moving ever so closely to the season of fall in actuality. It is fall. Well, it's technically it's starting fall. starting to feel like it. Yeah. And we talked, bit. we talked last week how, you know, when the date of fall hits, it's not fall We here. just laugh at it. We just laugh in the face <laughs> of fall. <laughs> but uh, speaking of falling, man, have you seen this? What did you say? That is so interesting. Are you for real, though? I'm for real. So there's all this controversy. I don't know if you've been watching NFL football, but they're in like week three or four or something Mm -hmm. like that at the season. And everyone is up in arms over this issue. Do you know what it is? Okay, I'll tell you. (laughs) Because I know you were going to guess and you were going to be right, and I didn't want you to be right. Okay, go for it. Um, Over um, hitting the quarterback too hard. So there's all these penalties, like so I was not many aware of this actually. Penalties, and I would have been um, totally wrong. Yeah, so there's all these roughing the passer penalties, which are really out of control, and they're kind of funny. Um, and so all these people are doing these spoof videos on like, <laughs> I like, have not seen this, like holding someone, tackling them, and putting them <laughs> on the ground with like a pillow and a blanket, and um, yeah, everyone's up in arms about it. Because they're saying it's like not real football, and you know, some people are saying, "Well, we're trying to protect the quarterback because they're the ones that make the you know make the game and the money and all this stuff." But it's like going overboard, you know how mm-hmm. like you know like in life and in issues, pendulum swings. Mm-hmm. You know, there's pendulum swings, and then when the pendulum swings, like sometimes it can go way too far to one side. You know, so like, um, you know, if there's ever you know, issues in your company or whatever. And it's like, well, we're going to just, we're just going to do it this way. And it's like, you know, you go like way too far with rules or regulations or whatnot. And usually those decisions are made in a corporate office somewhere with a lot of lawyers. Yeah. Even in the church. Oh yeah. There's a lot of pendulum swings a lot of times. And if you look in history and if you look, you know, like even if you look back, you know, in, in our lifetime, there's been, times and seasons in the church where there's been change sometimes it's been really good change mm-hmm. but sometimes that change has hit the pendulum so far like we we almost become too uh stringent too rule-based you know we forget about you know people's hearts and conversions and you know it's like let's just follow the law and the rules and so usually it's it can, out of fear it's out of fear yeah like in nfl's case i'm guessing um the fear of lots and lots of lawsuits that may come from concussions or the Yep. You know, the nude scientific research into whatever. So it's like, well, let's have all these new, yep. you know. And if your best quarterbacks are hurt, they're the ones that, like, really drive the game. Yeah. You know, so it's like, let's protect these guys. And, look, I get the whole health issue, and I get protecting players. Like, I don't want to see anyone hurt. Like, that's their living. That's their career. That's what they do. That's not what I'm advocating for. Yeah. I'm simply saying, like, there's a pendulum swing so far that it's almost become comical where, like, if you just touch the guy, there's a flag, you know? And yeah. so uh, it's been kind of funny, some of these videos. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, one thing I've admired about your uh, coaching style, especially for leaders, is um, the art of making a good decision, mm-hmm. where the goal is not just to get the, to the right idea. Like, for example, they might be making the best decision that anybody could make. 
right? Right. But the path to get there needs to include listening to everybody who needs to be listened to, right? Or else your great decision doesn't matter. Yeah, and you know, I'm often surprised on people who make decisions, and particularly big decisions, like yeah. life decisions, and whether that be in the corporate world or in your personal life or in the church world, uh, people who make decisions, particularly big decisions, particularly decisions that affect your life or other people's lives, and they don't seek out wisdom, godly wisdom from other people. Mm-hmm. And I often think, like, are you living in a tunnel? You're living in a hole? you living isolated by yourself? And maybe it's just me. I mean, certainly Scripture speaks about it. Scripture talks about when you make a decision, seek godly counsel. Mm-hmm. I, I've always, I have never found that Scripture to be wrong. Right. Like you never got someone advice and said, man, I wish I didn't get that advice. Look how bad it went. Right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you can take people's advice and you could sift through, well, that was... They have good intentions, but it wasn't the best of advice. Right. But people, when, you know, when you particularly talk about godly wisdom, godly counsel, people who are prayerful people, mm-hmm. wise people who give you advice, and then you go to someone else and they give you the same advice, and mm-hmm. it begins to stack up as like, oh, maybe God's telling me something. Maybe I should make a decision, and maybe it should be closer to this decision instead of that decision. Yeah. Well, this is how we avoid dividing people, whether it's NFL fans that are going to be divided against each other or start hating the NFL, or if it's the church divided against itself, the division comes not from the truth, but from the perception of truth. Right. The truth might be right on. Like, right on, we need to make these exact decisions, but we can't just say, trust us. Yeah. You know, and I find in leadership, uh, and wherever you are in leadership, you don't have to be the boss to be the leader. You can Mm. be on any level. Uh, to lead and to guide. And uh, so I find at any level of leadership, like you're most effective. I think you're most effective and I'm most effective when I'm surrounded by good people, Mm -hmm. like competent people and wise people. You know, oftentimes, admittedly, people who are smarter than me, people who are maybe more prayerful than me. But not uh, better looking. That's impossible. (laughs) I just got a haircut today, by the way. (laughs) Beautiful. Yeah. You like it? Yeah. Yeah. So the shorter I cut my hair, the less gray it is. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know that. You don't. So your hair is darker, so your gray pops out more. I like it. It's like it's like highlights, natural highlights. <laughs> or un- yeah, it is actually natural. It's very natural. So anyway, like people who who have all those things or characters that are that make you better, but but they make you better not because you don't listen to them. They make you better because you actually bring them into Yeah the decision-making process. Well, this is something I've watched you do. So, I mean, obviously you, you coach people on leadership often, um, but you, you also do this, you know, like it's not just advice you give. And it's amazing to me, you're right, like how many people don't. People that are making very important decisions yep. don't set themselves up for the type of decision-making that builds unity in a team, whether it's your corporate team or your church team, like we need to be all on the same side and none of us need the great idea. Right. We need each other. Yeah. Right. Right. So we can have the great idea come from one person, but what does that accomplish? And it could even divide the church or the team or whatever. If like we insist, this is the right idea. Everybody get used to it. Yeah. And I often wonder about Jesus, like, so Jesus is God. Like we're all we're all cool with that, right? We all know I that. I firmly and, agree. Yeah. So uh, 
you know, so since he's God, like he didn't have to surround himself with people, with the disciples. Right. He he didn't have to do that. He didn't even help moving furniture. He could just <laughs> he can just move his finger and then he could have just done done what he came to do. Yep. Right. But he chose to surround himself with a certain group of people. You know, and and people can say, well, you know, they were fishermen, they were carpenters, they yada yada. They, you know, they weren't educated. I, I, there's nothing like that tells us, you know, like they were dumb, they were incompetent. There's nothing that tells us that. That's silly. Mm. He chose those people to surround himself with for at least three years of his ministry. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Why? Because he wanted to be around certain people, certain types of people, and he knew, like, to get the mission done, it had to be bigger than him. It had to spread to the nations, and he needed competent people to do those things, and he needed to pour into those people, and he needed to teach them how to be leaders, and even needed to teach them how to fail and watch them fail. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. as you read through the Gospels, it's like, why did you fall asleep praying? Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Like, well, we're such idiots. You yeah. know, like, why did you deny me? You know, like, he gives them a long enough leash to fail and to learn, to fail and learn, to grow, to learn. Um, he even asks them what they think. What do people say about me? You know, he's right. asking their opinion, and he even tells them when they're wrong. No, that's not true. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the staff meeting of that first church staff <laughs> was not was not okay. Everybody, listen to me. And if in any if any situation in the history of the church could have been that way, right. it was that one. Yeah. Listen up, folks. But he said things like, "Who do people say I am?" Right. Because it's not. We're not a democracy as a church. Okay, we're not. But we're also all serving the one Lord, which is Jesus Christ. And the goal is not we put the people with the best ideas in charge, and then the church will be fine. That's right. not it at all. Right. We all listen to Jesus and learn from him, and he's teaching us the way he teaches us. And if we're learning together, we will ask each other questions. What is the best way to do this as a church? Yep. What do you think? What do you think? You know? And and then trust the decision of the leader. Absolutely. The authority of the church is real, and it's awesome, and it's great. Right. At the end of the day, there's a leader, there's a boss. But, you know, I'm going to say this, and people who are listening might disagree with me, and that's okay. But I'm going to say this, that I think a lot of business strategy has crept into the church and has therefore kept people from really discerning what Jesus wants. Good decision-making, prayerful decision-making, surrounding yourself with wise people decision-making. Instead, it's like, what's the best strategy? What's the best business practice? And certainly I'm not saying like, hey, if you use a certain saw, don't, don't you, you know, like there's not mm. certain business practices and things that we can use and implement in the church. I'm not saying throw it all out. What I'm saying is what's happened a lot is like, let's just put all these big business practices in place. Our church will run great. And we're just, we're not really going to be prayerful in our decision making. We're just going to let these principles unfold and lead the way. Yeah, because the thing about principles is that you can they can be reinterpreted. And again, we're not talking about the entire church, but there there's obvious evidence of high-ranking officials in the church in the U.S. and others using the church for their own ends other than the salvation of souls. And the thing is, when we have a church where it's merely applying principles and practices and best practices, it opens us up for someone to come in and be a tyrant 
Yeah. And, and look, that's cross-denominational. You know, they're really yeah. good, smart business people who start churches. Yep. You know, and they're just talented. But if we're going to follow Jesus, like before any business practices is in place, we have to be prayerful. We have to discern well. Like, God, I can do this, but should I? Mm-hmm. God, here's a great business practice, but do you want us to go in that direction? Like, how often do we stop and listen to Jesus and wait on him to act? Mm-hmm. Right? Prayerfully. Right. And that's anywhere where there's humans that want to follow the Lord, whether it's in the corporate room, the boardroom, we're running a business, multinational or mom and pop, or we're running a church. Like, every Christian is obliged in their leadership to lead that way. Yeah. No, to let absolutely. Jesus lead whatever they're doing. Right. Like, yeah. that's what it means to be a Christian organization. It's not that we necessarily have scripture passages in our bathrooms or something like that, which is awesome. I'm not saying don't do that. But to be a Christian means that Jesus is in charge of me. Right. Yeah. No, <laughs> of exactly. everything I do. Right. Yeah, this is a great conversation. We have a, a good interview with our good friend Chris Faddis coming up next. Um, get him on the line. And then I want to talk to you guys <gasps> today about one of my favorite dudes in Scripture. Oh. Celebrated his feast day. Oh. And it's really connected to what we're talking about. Ooh. It's Paul and Adam talking Art of Living. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back yep. to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George, Adam Conkin Studio, talking all things art of living. Excited to have a good friend on again. Chris Faddis, how you doing, bro? Doing great, Paul. How are you? Good, man. I uh, well, first a couple. There's a lot of things I want to talk to you about today, but um, one is I'm going to actually get to see you soon instead of talking to you on an interview. We'll be out in Phoenix uh, next week, and we're going to get to spend some time together. Yeah, I'm excited, man. I mean, we're going to have some fun, a little reunion with a bunch of your old friends. But then uh, on Monday, I'm really excited. You're going to be speaking to my staff over at Solidarity. So we're, we're really excited for that to have you share your heart and your message with uh, with our whole team there. So. I know. That's going to be great. So, yeah, so I'm going out to Phoenix doing a parish mission. And I'm speaking at a, couple, a school. And then I'll be speaking for the staff at Solidarity, which, by the way, um, so I had my one of my first experiences with the solidarity health sharing, you know, like the whole thing with like you actually, I'm actually a member. So I did my annual, I had my annual doctor's visit nice, and I have an official card and everything. And so like I give them the card, here's my new insurance, fill out the paperwork, you know, I do my annual my doctor, yada, yada, yada. And then I go, you know, to check out and she's like, Hey, everything's covered for your annual. I was like, this is a great day. This was awesome. That's so. awesome. That's when you're supposed to say, hey, it's shareable, not coverable. Because it's solidarity <laughs> health share, not yeah. insurance. That's, but that's okay. We'll teach you. Yeah, you we'll get, teach you that. Yeah, so. I don't re- I'm just going with their language. I'm trying to meet them where they are, Chris. 
No, uh, totally. I get it. You got to you got to meet them at the peripheries and bring them in. So yeah, I understand that evangelization, right? Yeah. You know, so, I got to tell you too. It's funny. I'm I'm at the medical. I'm at the Catholic Medical Association conference right now. Okay. And I met a personal friend of Gretchen's dad. Okay. <laughs> so he's another physician who's known him for years. So it's kind of, kind of cool to meet him and we're talking like, oh, I have a friend, his family, you know. And so we're talking about it. Oh, I've known him for 20 years, and you know. Yep. Um, I think they both worked in the same hospital or whatever, so it's just kind of cool. So your your wife Gretchen's dad uh, is in good company with some good docs. So yeah, he's he. Um, my father-in-law was a doctor, and you know, very faithful man, love him to death, and yeah, he 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 has a great reputation, knows a lot of people. So that's cool. It's a small world, and I was about to ask you because every time I interview you, you're somewhere else around the country spreading the word and, and doing uh, the work that you're doing with Solidarity. So where are you? Where's the conference? So I'm in Dallas, actually. Okay. Um, and we're, at, we're right outside of Dallas, and, and it's Catholic Medical Conference, so it's physicians and, and medical professionals from all over the country uh, gathering to talk about, you know, um, health care. Our theme this year is about kind of health care in this new <laughs> age we're in and dealing with, with how to restore and rebuild authentic Catholic health care and and all that. So it's been really good. One of the most amazing things, Paul, you know, today is that the, the day that we're doing this interview is actually the anniversary of, of my, my late wife, Angela's death. And, um, and yesterday, the day before that, I was able to, to share her story with 600 physicians at wow. this conference. And so it was just a beautiful gift to be honored to do that and, and to, to, you know, honor her in that way, but also just to inspire them with, with, you know, kind of the message that she left for people. And, and her, what her witness did and, and the catechesis she gave on suffering. And um, it was very well received. So that was just a real honor. And, uh, you know, again, that purpose was there. So it's been, it's been a really great conference. There's, there are some amazing, amazing professionals out there that just have such compassion and care um, for God's people and want to serve them in, in the medical you know, profession. And so it's, been, it's just really great to be with them and to, to see their passion and, and how they want to serve their patients. So. Wow, that's awesome. So how many years has it been uh, since Angela passed? So it's six years today. Six okay. years. Yeah. Six years. That's crazy. And yeah. actually, it's crazy because this is the first Friday. You know, she died on a Friday, and mm. we're doing this interview on a Friday. So it's the first year that you know, we hit the same day. So, Golly. You know, it's, it's, um, it's just really amazing. You know, some very close personal friends of, of both of ours are, are here, too, and, and they had lost a baby the day before, and there was a very – Thing, something that I completely forgot about was that Angela said she would she would look for their child in heaven, and so she had this profound experience that the wife yesterday of of being very clear that Angela was with her son in heaven, which just is it's just such a gift, you know, this this communion of saints we have. So six years. Wow, wow, that's crazy, and you know I'm glad you bring that up, man, because really, honestly, um, it was through your experience with Angela and those of those people who haven't listened to you know, our conversations before on the show, um, or have heard the story, you know, not that we can go into it, they can listen to it on past podcasts and, and shows, but, you know, it was really through your experience with Angela and her sickness and then her death that really kind of brought you with the vision to the vision of solidarity, right? Yeah, it really is. I mean, it was the, the experience of just facing the healthcare situation in our own lives and seeing how hard it was for folks. And then also, um, you know, the HHS mandate came out at the same time. And then at the same time, we raised a ton of money for her care. And we saw this Christian community come together around us. And so all of those kind of came together in the head. And, 
and through some prayer, the Lord really put this on our heart to, to start something to help solve this problem for people and, to, and to, to bring about a better way to do healthcare and to pay for healthcare. So, yeah, I really, I mean, I, it truthfully, um, you know, we always can see God's purpose in hindsight. And, and it, there's just, there's no doubt in my mind that this was absolutely part of the reason he allowed that suffering, you know, was to bring us to this place. Um, and I think, obviously, we, we hope and pray, Angela, we, we feel pretty confident Angela's in a better place. And, uh, you know, and so um, pretty amazing, the people we get to serve, and we're serving 12,000 souls today, and we're, you know, we're providing um, a mechanism for them to pay for health care. And, and, and doing, we're, we're working really hard to do more to, to really pr- give them a mechanism to access good quality ethical health care in the Catholic context, you know. So um, it's an amazing gift to be doing this today. Yeah, that, and that's crazy that it, it's gone from, you know, just an initial vision to 12,000 people uh, being a part of Solidarity Health Share. I'm talking to Chris Faddis, uh, one of the co-founders and um, uh, CEO, or what, what's your title there? Uh, I'm the COO. COO. Solidarity. It really doesn't matter. I basically still take out the trash. So. Well, that's what, that's what leadership's all about anyway. Solidarity Health Exactly. <laughs> And Chris and I have been friends for a while, and and uh, just seeing, I, I've been able to see, you know, from a distance, knowing you, you know, obviously through through Angela, her sickness, and then you know her death, and then seeing the initial vision of solidarity and the community that came together to make this farm and happen, and then it went from, you know, zero members to now, you know, twelve thousand people who are a part of it and growing. You know, what's your sense, Chris, of, of where healthcare is going and particularly and the role that solidarity is playing? Like, where do you see solidarity going in the midst of such confusion with healthcare these days? Mm. You know, I think that at the end of the day, it, you know, I have a very hard time seeing that the insurance debacle is going to be fixed. I, I, I just, the signs are there that it's a system that is broken and it, and it may be broken for good. Hmm. Now, clearly... Hmm. We have to we, we have to you know have access to health care and, and affordable health care. But I don't think that's going to come through the insurance system, and I don't think it's going to come through the government. I think it's really coming from um, from just that recognition of, of bringing you know p- people back in conversation over the price of health care. Gotcha. You know, I had a great session yesterday. I, I led with the doctors on innovation in health care, and the, the problem that we settled on solving together in our in our conversation was was the cost of care. And so we talked through these things and what the doctors were saying was, you know, the patients don't know the, the cost of their care, but the, the other issue is we as the physicians don't even know because they, the hospital systems have separated the physicians from that as well. And so physicians find out what the hospital is charging or what the, what their network is charging or whatever it is. And they're like, what? That's ridiculous, you know, for this procedure. So there's just a, there's a separation there. And so for solidarity, you know, we're, we're bringing people together who, who, like you said, Paul, you're now a private pay patient, right? Right. But in being a private pay patient, you are sharing those costs with other people. And in doing that, you know, you're, you're able to access those discounts and you're also able to, you know, to afford the care. And so we just can see ourselves continuing to expand that, but also being more intentional about finding those providers who want to um, provide a lower cost solution that want to do that. You know, I think doctors should make good money. But I think you can make good money without some of these egregious costs that are being charged today. And so, um, you know, we're really trying to find that middle ground. We're very honest with our physicians in our, in our, in our network or not, sorry, not network in our list about, you know, 
what we pay, what we find fair and reasonable. And if they have a reason to say, well, that doesn't seem reasonable because of this, you know, I had a doctor conversation with a doctor yesterday. They said, well, if you base off of Medicare, our Medicare reimbursement's really low for our county. I don't know if that'll work. I said, well, let's let's sit down and talk about it. Let's look at those numbers, you know. And so we want to be reasonable to them, and we want them to be reasonable to our patients. And so we're we're just expanding um, as much as we can, but it's coming through people like you, Paul. I mean, it's coming from those referrals and these conversations on the radio and, you know, the conversation around the dinner table with family members and them saying, wait, you pay what for your health share? You know, uh, those kind of things. And so that's where it's growing is really at that community level. Yeah, no, and let me just tell you an experience I had actually this week. You know, I feel like I'm I've become one of, one of you guys salesmen out out in the world and advocates. But uh, so I was talking to a friend who runs a nonprofit organization, and uh, he was, you know, he was just kind of lamenting on, you know, it's a struggle to run a small organization, money, and you know they don't have healthcare through their organization because it's so expensive. And so, therefore, his family doesn't have health care, and it, it's a real burden on them to not have health insurance, okay? And so he's telling me this, and I said, you know, like, I said, well, we have, you know, quote-unquote health insurance uh, through Solidarity, and, um, you know, we pay, you know, as a family, you know, 450 bucks a month, and this is what it covers, and, you know, I'm going through it. And, you know, the question that he has is, like, he goes, wait, does it work? You know, and, like, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it works. Like this is how and he's like. How does it work? And so I'm explaining to him how it works. I was like, they negotiate fair price for, for both the patient and the doctor, and you know, there's the minimum, and we share these costs, and and so like he's going to look into his heart, whole organization and getting this, uh, not only because it's Catholic, not only because it's got a moral foundation, because it's affordable. Actually, it's affordable for them as an organization to get it, and it's affordable for him, his family, to afford it. You know, he's got seven kids. And then him and his wife, so you're looking at nine people, for him to be on traditional health insurance, the cost is outrageous. And so they literally can't afford it. And so when he's looking at solidarity, he's like, well, we can't afford that. We can. It, that's worth the cost of that. And so I'm literally having this conversation. Right. And so hopefully their whole organization will sign up. That's awesome. Yeah, and I think that's the thing we're finding. I mean, I'm hearing from from practices that are saying, you know, we're having to write off so much care because our, our uh, patients can't even afford the deductibles on their insurance. Right. You know, and so they're having to write off care just so these people can be seen, you know, and so there's a whole other level of charity care now that we didn't have before, um, which is unjust to the patient and to the doctor, you know, that they've got some sort of quote unquote coverage, but the coverage really can't be used in a lot of cases, you know, and so that, that it really does, it kind of makes it a no-brainer to join something like Solidarity or hopefully Solidarity. I think we're, we're really working hard. And again, we're not perfect, but, but we're working hard to, to make, keep that option available for folks. And, you know, it's working. I mean, in the first two years of our ministry, we, we had $11 million in bills submitted, and we were able to discount those down to $4.5 million and pay those in full hmm. at that $4.5 million. I mean, it's pretty amazing you know, the, the level of discounts we can do. And, and, you know, we're doing more and more to try to pay providers faster and, and do those things so that we can keep incentivizing them to want to take members of solidarity. Right, exactly. So you guys, from your staff and your, your administrative team, you guys negotiate all the things for, you know, the patient, right? You negotiate with the doctors, you negotiate costs, and, and you get people on board. Yeah, I wouldn't say all of it. We, I mean, you know, we definitely, there's certain times when a patient has to have a conversation who the doctor wants to do a, 
you know, a cash pay rate or whatever. But we do. I mean, when those bills come in, like, for instance, with your um, wellness visit, they'll send those bills directly to us, and then we will reprice it based on a Medicare Plus model. So we take what Medicare would pay in that area, and then we add a multiplier to that, which is a percentage above Medicare that will pay for that service. And so we do that, and then we just send the payment out with the explanation of what we did. And 95 to 97% of the time, they accept that uh, as payment in full. And if they if they have a problem with it, they let us know, and then we negotiate it. So then we do that negotiation. And then occasionally there are those times when for certain procedures or things, they want to be paid up front. And so we'll do that negotiation or we'll have that conversation up front. So, you know, the patient is involved. We actually want the patient, the member, to be involved at some level. Um, because, you know, for instance, we had this woman recently who wanted to go to this certain place for a certain procedure. Um, and, and they're being very difficult on the pricing. They were well over, they were they were close to double the price of what any other hospital would have been charging, even at a high end, what they would have been charging. And so we finally, we had the conversation with, with her and kind of explained that information to her. And she said, oh, well, I don't really need to go there. I mean, this other place is just as good, you know? Right. And so she said, can you call them for me and find me another person? You know, so so that we, we want the members to know that because it is important. And that's one of the problems in healthcare is that we've separated the individual from the payment. So they don't even know what's going on, you know? And when you know what's going on, you might be able to make some considerations like, well, I don't know if I need this or, yeah, I need this, but you know, whatever, whatever it is. Now, granted, we want you to get the care you absolutely need, of course, but you've got to be part of that conversation. Else, you're never going to know, you know, what's happening, or you're never going to notice that maybe you're being overcharged for something. Right. Exactly. Wow, man. I mean, thanks for doing all this work. I mean, it's such a big job. I think sometimes, like it, it, uh, like it, it boggles my mind that you guys have been able to really get this off the ground and going and so many people are being affected by it in a, in a real positive way and having affordable health care and health sharing and, and being a part of a community. It's really neat, man. And I know you're out there with a bunch of doctors. And I'm sure you get a lot of questions and you're, you know, on the front lines of fighting this battle for people who are, who are just trying to live life and, and pay their bills, you know? Right. Right. Well, thank you. I'm, I mean, it's amazing that God called me into this fight, but uh, it's a it's a good thing. So, um, and I'm just impressed. I look, like it truly is. We have some amazing docs out there, and I would encourage people, Paul. I mean, this isn't something normally I would say on the radio, but with your listeners, I would encourage people to to go out and you know find the Catholic doctors in your area and support them because I think that they're struggling to continue practicing medicine. Uh, in this culture where a lot of the hospital systems and networks that they're in are not allowing them to practice according to their faith. But then they struggle because they struggle to find patients if they try to go on their own, you know? So I think it's really important. You know, we always talk about the local food movement, right? You know, eat local, buy local, right? <laughs> you know, is um, I think people need to go out and seek out those Catholic doctors, like, you know, like your father-in-law, yeah. <laughs> like these right. folks as part of the Catholic Medical Association, find yeah. those doctors and, and not support them. What I mean by support them is go to them. Let them let them take care of you. Yep. Because there's such a great heart there, and uh, I think it's an important part of of our faith to to make sure that that we're we're living our faith and we're also allowing God to be a part of our healthcare. Yeah, and those doctors take a lot of risk. You know, those Catholic doctors, and they say, "Look, I want to follow the church's teaching and and my moral conscience and practice my faith and practice medicine because this is the vocation that God's calling me to do for my work." You know, there's a risk that they'll lose patients. So they're, you know, 
lose money and all these things. And, and um, I think it's important for us as Catholics to support those doctors, you know, people like my father-in-law and other doctors in this area and other areas, because they're trying to do the right thing and they're great people. And I think it's true. Like, let's support them because they're supporting us and we're a community supporting each other. I mean, this is what early communities were like. You know, everybody had different role, different right, job, right. Uh, different vocation, and you lived in community and everyone supported one another based on the foundation of our faith. And so that's a great point. And I want to encourage people to do that. So, Chris, I know you're busy out there in Dallas. Thanks so much for taking the time uh, with us today. It's Chris Faddis, Solidarity Health Share. Um, and dude, I'm looking forward to seeing you falls coming and I'll be out in Phoenix and it'll be a hundred and something degrees. It'd be great. Yeah, dude. I, we, we, we cooled it down to 101 for you. So just come on out. Yeah, baby. That's awesome. All right, man. Have a good day. I'll talk to <laughs> you right, later. God bless you, brother. All right. You too. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show, Paul George, studio Adam Clark. How you doing over there, man? So good. So good. good. Yeah. Chris Faddis. Yeah. Solidarity Health Share. Yeah, so I'm going out to Phoenix, and I am going to visit their headquarters. <gasps> I'm actually giving a talk to their staff, and then I'm doing a parish mission out there. So, How do you think it's going to go? On Maybe our next show, I'll, I'll update you okay. on how it goes. But I think it's going to go okay. <laughs> I think it's going to go well. Are you going to get Chris's autograph? Like on your uh, solidarity bill or something? I don't know. But they're buying uh, they're buying books for all my all their staff. They're buying my book for all their staff. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm super grateful for that. That's a great idea. Yeah. How would that work exactly? Like if a staff wanted to... I think they're all, all going to read it. Yeah. And, like and talk, talk about, about it. it. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. All right, so anyway, I wanted to bring this back up because we were talking in the first segment in this conversation. So this feast day just passed, you know, maybe it was last week or week before, but um, I've been wanting to talk about it because it came up, and I I love this story. So when I had my initial conversion when I was in high school, um, I got confirmed in eighth grade, and that was not my conversion. I was hell on wheels in eighth grade. and But... I was given a gift of a Bible uh, for my confirmation. Okay, good gift. That is a great gift. So it was in the shrink wrap and in the box, and I never opened it up. Like when I got the Bible, I was really ticked off. I was like, why (laughs) didn't you give me like, I don't know. Money. Shoes. Shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Gift card to, unlimited gift card to McDonald's. And so I I put the box in the top of my closet, and I forgot it was ever there. Like literally. Mm-hmm. And so years later, maybe two or three years later, um, I have this conversion and since start getting involved in my faith and and whatnot. And I start tearing my room up looking for a Bible. Because um, I remembered, I, I think I have one. I think I have one. <laughs> so I found it. It was still in the shrink wrap, still in the box. 
And I remember opening it up. I was like, take the wrapping off and everything and open it up. And someone had told me, just start reading the Gospels. And, well, the first Gospel is Matthew. And so I start reading the Gospel of Matthew, and I start reading about Jesus, and I couldn't put it down. Mm-hmm. Right? It's the first time I ever read about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And everything was just popping out to me. So since that time, like, I like all the Gospels, but I have particular love for Matthew. Mm-hmm. Um and so we just celebrated his feast day, and we honor, you know, the disciple, the apostle, Matthew. And what I love about this, the story of Matthew, not only, of, you know, the gospel of Matthew, but particularly the disciple, Matthew, the one that Jesus calls. Like that's, mm-hmm. you know, I love the simple story. It just says he's a tax collector. Jesus walks up to him <laughs> and says, follow me. And it just says Matthew got up and followed him. And that was it. Mm-hmm. I, I I love I love that imagery of Matthew just getting up, leaving his life behind, and following Jesus. And this is what conversion is. Yeah, it it's getting up, taking a step forward, leaving your old life behind, your old ways behind, and saying, "I'm going to follow Jesus every day, every day." Yeah, and nothing short of that, right? Like the Lord said, "If you wish to be my disciple, take up your cross daily." And follow me, right? And I think of Matthew on the day of his death, probably knowing he could be killed any moment, um, having that same... I mean, imagine your life was Matthew's life and how you're going to flash back towards the end of your life right? into that first time that he followed the Lord and how he, he had grown so much, learned so much, but now it's time to follow him again. In fact, I remember... St. Ignatius um, of Antioch, approaching his death, he said, now, now I learn what it's like to be a disciple, right? to follow the Lord to the cross. And yeah. so that, that experience of discipleship is not a one-and-done thing. It's a, and following the, the Lord by giving everything to him is not a one-and-done thing either. Yeah. And what I love about it, it's, it's so simple. Like I think oftentimes we can make Christianity really complicated, really complicated. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's difficult. But this is this is one of those passages that really simplify. Is there any more anything more simple than this? Jesus walks up to Matthew and literally just says, "Follow me." And he gets up and does it. And gets up and does it. So, so, so like the, just the simplicity of that. Like Jesus isn't complicating things. Uh, you know, uh, that you know that you there. There's all this theology that can say you know it's speculative theology of saying well you know that. Some of the disciples were friends with Jesus before his, you know, his active ministry. You know, some knew him. We we don't know that. There's there's no certainty in knowing that for sure. But here's what we do know: we know that Jesus walked up to Matthew, whether he knew him or not, said, "Follow me." Those two simple words, and he got up and followed him. And I think so many times we can complicate Christianity and the Christian walk, and it's simply every day, like you said, Jesus says to us, "Follow me," and we get up and follow him. Yeah, and I think your patron Saint Paul. It was often misunderstood, but especially in uh, you know Romans and elsewhere, it talks about this: the law giving uh, death, or the law convicting, but the Spirit giving life. Or this contrast between grace and law. It's so easy to think following Jesus means following the law, and by that I mean following His teachings in my life, following um, the rituals that I'm supposed to be doing, and all those things are part of following Jesus. But if I don't if I don't have 
a relationship with Christ enough in my life to where every morning I wake up, I'm able to listen to Jesus and what he's telling me to do that day, then I have yet to discover discipleship. Right. And that's why we we really believe and teach that conversion's ongoing. Certainly we didn't have an initial conversion, a moment of turning away, turning around, metanoia, yeah. the word conversion. But, I mean, this is really the heart of what you feel called to do in the church, what the Lord's asking. In, in the art of living, what does that mean? It doesn't mean the art of following the teachings of the church really well, as important as they are. It means the art of waking up every day and saying, oh, Lord, what do you have for me today? Yeah. And then having the courage to do it. Yeah, I'm going to do it. And here's what I love. it's it, you know, The word, you know, follow me comes from, you know, it's just getting up, rising up, comes from the word anastasis. It's the same word used to designate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Wow. It's that same getting up and moving forward. As Christians, Jesus rose from the dead. We, And Jesus lives inside of us. He gives us the grace and the power every day, even though it's difficult, even though we don't want to, even though we have sin and shame and doubt and fear, even though we've messed up, screwed up, and we don't know what's ahead and we're fearful and doubtful, Jesus gives us the power through him to rise up and just say, okay, Lord, today I'm going to follow you. I'm going to step forward. I'm going to step from behind my desk like Matthew did. I'm going to leave my old ways of a tax collector, and I'm just going to walk forward. I don't know what it means. I don't know where we're going. I don't know what following you always means. Matthew certainly didn't realize it was going to you know, end at the cross, and mm. there would be suffering, and he, he certainly didn't know there would be a resurrection. He certainly didn't know there would be an ascension. He certainly didn't know that Jesus would send the advocate to paraclete to live inside. It's like he didn't know any of those things. But he got up and followed him. And I think that's the call for us every day, to get up and follow Jesus, to leave whatever and step forward. And that's what conversion is every day. It's rethinking our lives through Jesus every day. But there's an art to it. There is an art to it. That's why I like the name of your uh, ministry is that we could say there's a science to it, but that sells it short. So, for example, there's no formula that says if you do... A, B, C, D, you will be a great disciple. Right. And a lot of people want that from every priest or, or, you know, it's like you go and you say, all right, you know, tell me what I need to do to, this is the the rich young man of Jesus. Tell me what I need to do to inherit eternal right. life. I've done everything, right? And, um, but it's not a science. No, it's an art. Because, you know, the difference between science and art is we participate in the making the art. Yeah. You know, we participate, whether our picture looks good or our painting looks good, but we participate in, in, with Jesus and in, in painting or drawing what our life looks like. We become active participators in the Christian life. So he didn't just say to Matthew, sit there, I'm going to go do all these things and watch. Yeah, he's and said, agree. Give and me a, a thumbs up and, and now agree. And then. <laughs> Write it all down and agree. He, he said, follow me. Like, walk with me. Mm. And your life is going to look different than Peter's life and Andrew's life and John's life. But you're you're going to have the same internal things, the freedom, the purpose, uh, the prayer, all those things. But your life, you're you're going to paint it differently. It's going to mm-hmm. look a little bit different. Yeah, and that's why you know, send Mother Teresa to the average spiritual director, and they'll be dumbfounded, right? Because her life is so bizarre. Right. What the Lord called her to do, and the way the Lord interacted with her, apparently for years, in her feeling abandoned by him, her feeling far from him, but yet following him. Like, that is a very unique reality, not because of its intensity, but because it's so different. But right. all of us are this different. You know, like the Lord's going to, because every human relationship is different. You know, I know my wife really, really well, 
but her friends know her a way that I don't know her, right? Like I know her factually, I know her informationally, but I don't know her as like a girlfriend because I'm not a girl, right? And like she's my spouse. And so it is with the Lord. Like we all know the Lord in a very unique, personal, amazing way. And that life we have together with him, there's an art to it, to building that relationship, building that life together, just like between spouses. Let's build a life together. Let's raise kids together. Let's find out what state we're going to live in, what job we're going to have. Let's do it all together. It's an adventure. It's an adventure with the Lord, and it, it requires a certain creativity, like for uh, the early church. I mean, how are we going to solve problems? How Where are we going to go? But more than anything, if we're not connected to Jesus, listening to him every day, forget it. Like, we're not going to do it. Forget it. <laughs> Whether we're an institution or a person. Exactly. So my encouragement to everyone who's listening, who's tuned in, is just get up and follow. Like, yeah. like that's the decision that you can make. You know, it's simple. Like, simplify the Christian life. Because he's always calling. Jesus is always calling you. And just say yes and get up. And look, I think one of the greatest fears that we feel in saying yes to Jesus is like, well, what does that mean? What's ahead? I don't know how to do this. And so don't all these pray. excuses... Yeah keep us sitting in the chair behind the desk doing our old form of life instead of just answering the questions simply will you follow me follow me yes okay ask questions later like it's one of those things like Mm -hmm. jesus will teach and that's what that's what's so comforting about the gospels is you read the gospels and he calls the disciples he doesn't just like leave them behind like he teaches teaches them along the way. He's right. constantly teaching them what the art of living, yep. uh, the art of what it means to be free, the art of what it means to live life with purpose uh, and beatitude. So that that's what Jesus does for us. So once we say yes, we the journey begins. The painting, as as however good or messy it is, begins to unfold, and Jesus is right there with us. Amen. And that that's our salvation the presence of Christ in our life, and it's freely offered to us. Like, there's nothing we did to earn it. Christ invites us, follow me, right now through the through this podcast. Like, he's inviting me and you and everyone listening to follow him in a real way today, in a real step. It's going to be a different step for all of us, but he's saying, here's the next step in our adventure. Do it. Right. And um, that's, that's, that is salvation, is to be on that journey with him. Amen. A great show, man. Appreciate it. Great interview with Chris Faddis. Yeah, yes. dude, we covered a lot. <laughs> and yeah. I can't wait to talk to you about my trip to Phoenix next time. I hope it's great. Yeah. So I'll, anyway, I'll be praying for you. Yeah, share the show on podcasts. Uh, if you listen to it online, um, iTunes, Google Play, whatever the case may be. Um, look on the website, discovertheartofliving.com. You get the show, share, whatever, man. Share life together. So anyway. Great show. Talk to you next week. Paul and Adam. God bless.